0: Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. This week, I'm lucky enough to chat with Devesh Tilokhani, the wonderful host of the Progressholic podcast, which highlights different people's stories of personal and social growth. Devesh moved to London, Ontario three years ago from Dubai to complete his undergrad studies. He was only 18 years old at the time and had never set foot in North America before.
1: You can either whine about how much you uh, miss your family, about how much you miss home, about how you don't like your life in Canada. That's one option. Your second option is that you can count your blessings. You can figure out a way to make your own family over there, your family of friends. And just, just, just take complete responsibility of your experience. Like yes, the, yes, there'll be factors that you cannot control, but do not blame your experience on anyone else except yourself. And that, that was like, it's kind of freeing, I guess, taking that responsibility to myself that this is my experience, I can make it or break it, no one else.
0: In this episode, DeVey shares his passion for personal development and the different tactics that he uses to bounce back when feeling low, in a rut, or demotivated, which can come quite often in the roller coaster of moving abroad. We chat about growing up in Dubai, his experience as an international student in Canada, and we bond over our love of podcast hosting. Let's start the show. Yay, Davish here! So great to chat with you today. How are you doing?
1: I am great, Kate. It is incredible to be chatting with you. So thanks a lot for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's so good to meet a fellow podcast host. You know, it's you just know this conversation is going to be like way too peppy and enthusiastic. <laughs> you have to have a certain talent for like babbling on and on. I think so. We'll see how this goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's when you're a podcaster and I'm a podcaster, it's like you have this like, I guess horror stories you want to call it, good stories from like all these interviews. Um, yes but it's that deeper connection you already build with someone no matter what
0: yeah exactly you can just make friends with anybody but um, I'm like really introverted so I found like the perfect thing for me to do is like now I sound really extroverted but I'm just like at home in my pajamas so (laughs) it's working it's working for me (laughs) so I found you on LinkedIn when you posted a conversation that you had with David Mendoza who was our guest in episode two so I knew straight away that we would have a lot in common and uh, yeah you didn't disappoint I absolutely love the work that you do thank you very much we share the exact same idea that the best way for people to learn is through stories um and that's why i think this show is doing so well you know you can have a bunch of checklists to move to canada or you can just hear it straight from the people who have done it and the journeys that they've had so um yeah tell us a little bit about your show Progress Holic. what are you doing with that
1: definitely definitely and again thanks a lot first of all a shout out to david mendoza the guy is incredible (laughs) uh he's been a great support system over the last couple of months um, but yeah no, so a little bit more about Progressaholic uh, started off it's been about six months doing it properly mm-hmm. and um, basically the main idea is the progress of self and society so we had stories of individuals that are dedicated to the progress of self and society so self being your personal development your inner growth that's your mental health your uh, relationships social life and all that good stuff mm-hmm. um, while society is more on a societal aspect on the social impact sort of aspect. So that's sort of interviewing people that are more focused on how do we progress society as a whole. And then there's people who are more focused on and how do you, sort of have that individual impact Mm. and it's kind of like bringing the two together as i saw a lot of podcasters spoken were focusing on personal development but there are so many out there yeah and there's a lot of them that are focusing on social impact but there wasn't anything sort of bringing the two together sort of found that opportunity in between uh we took it and um yeah it's been an incredible journey um just we just crossed the milestone of six thousand downloads (gasps)
0: amazing congrats that's so good oh isn't that just the best feeling ever when you see those numbers growing up and you're like people actually care what i'm talking about this is amazing
1: (laughs) yep yep. and i think like numbers are great and i'm not gonna lie like i'm not gonna be like no it's not about the numbers it's about the impact (laughs) no like the numbers are incredible uh but i'm not gonna lie when someone like when a listener messages you yes um and they say that hey like this episode had this impact where well, this thing did this for me best feeling in the world
0: oh my god it just makes like my entire week not even just my day i'm just like the whole week i'm like riding that cloud like yes um and i always say that too like if anyone's listening to this if you like this episode yeah message us message either of us we we'll, as we say it will make our entire month <laughs> definitely so let's learn a little about where you are originally from so you were born in dubai um yeah i've always wanted to go there haven't made the trip yet so yeah i'm really excited to chat to you about it um what was it like growing up there what would you say is the best thing about it
1: so growing up in dubai was pretty interesting i think um dubai is hands down one of the most multicultural places that you will ever come across (laughs) yeah it was insane because um like it prepared me so well that like when i came into canada like there was no culture shock
0: right like
1: there was nothing like i was i was perfectly fine like I came in, it was just like, just meeting some other people, I guess, you know, across the world. Yeah.
0: Was it just like really boring though? You're looking around and saying, oh my God, like everyone's from Canada. Like this is so boring. <laughs> I
1: wouldn't say boring. I think you gotta be the best of wherever you're at. <laughs> Canada is definitely fun. But no, I mean like it definitely wasn't boring. Dubai was great. Dubai has been great to me. Uh, I was here for about 18 years. Um, so was here for 18 years. And then did my high school, did my entire schooling over a year and then decided to go for university to Canada. And I think Dubai... Um, the best thing about it was I did feel like there was a lot of personal growth that happened in this place. I remember in my high school, in our like there were 25 people in our class, and out of 25 people, we had 16 nationalities. Oh
0: wow! What was the majority then? Who won?
1: <laughs> uh, who won? Uh, I think um, I think overall in Dubai, the majority are South Asians, East Asians from the Philippines. There's a lot as well.
0: But then, yeah, so many others. Yeah, 16 out of 25. That's crazy. That's so appealing to me, though. Like, that's one of the most popular reasons why people love to travel. So to get that same exposure to different cultures in your hometown, that must be really, really cool. I guess it, I'm guessing there's a lot of expats and third culture kids there. So, yeah, that's amazing.
1: 100%. I mean, like, I'm an expat myself. Like, my... I think it also like stems from like my dad. Um, he like he left India when he was like 19 years old. He didn't even complete university. He traveled the world. He lived in Africa, worked in Africa uh, in Cameroon, uh, a little bit in Nigeria. Then he went to East Asia, worked in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and then finally decided that he wants to settle down in uh, in Dubai and met my mom and then there I was after um but it was just that, just like my dad's a pretty someone that's been like he's, he's seen those different different sort of cultures
0: yeah he's a right jet setter <laughs> yeah
1: and um I think the one thing that he's always told me is that like treat the world as your home wherever people are from um, no matter what you the strength is in learning from other people's cultures and mm-hmm. then sort of implementing that into your own life taking the best of each culture and trying to implement that into yourself oh, and I think yes. that's Dubai definitely allows that considering there's so many different nationalities. So definitely that was like a beautiful um, stepping stones to me actually coming to Canada then in the end. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it just made you have such more of an open mind and you can just interact and build relationships with all types of people. And what an amazing upbringing to, to have access to that and to hone those talents. Yeah, cool. So when I think of Dubai, I think... Tur- that turquoise water that I always see in the pictures really impressive hotels I also think about that scene in Mission Impossible when Tom Cruise throws himself out of the window of the Burj Khalifa <laughs> like he it's like 2700 feet or something that's utter madness so that's that's not a tourist thing that you can do like the Sydney bridge climb is it it's not, you can't go for a climb with your selfie stick
1: <laughs> I do not think so uh <laughs> don't quote me on that I mean a lot of things are possible in Dubai.
0: I would not do it if it was. I would not be there. That would not be something I would want to do. It sounds
1: pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. So I wouldn't mind trying it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. What was it actually like growing up there? What did you do in a typical weekend with your friends?
1: Um, I think one thing about Dubai was that, I guess, maybe it's a disadvantage. It's 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 pretty damn hot. Like, it is pretty mm. hot over here. Like, you can't really, like, hey, I'm going to go on a trek or on a hike. No, you cannot do that because you will literally collapse. <laughs>
0: your lungs will just give up yep
1: it's like i remember about a couple of weeks ago it was like about 45 degrees celsius as as an example you know and temperatures reach up to about 50 55 degrees celsius as well which is like pretty insane so it's it's like in dubai on the weekends you're normally what you do with your friends is you're normally indoors so either you're at the malls you're at um you're at house parties which are sort of indoor stuff or you're at a bar or at a club or whatever, but it's mostly everything's indoors. Like it, it's so indoors that we literally have, over the summers, we have um, an indoor sports park. So you can play almost like 15 different sports, you're like you know there's like turf grounds we're playing. There's like badminton, tennis, table tennis. There's like a bunch of different sports over there. But it's completely indoors, completely air conditioned because it's it's physically hard to play outside.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, like 55. No, I think the hottest I ever was was when I was in Australia, and and that was probably late like late 40s. And I was thinking, no way. And that was the winter as well. And I was thinking, there's no way I could be here in the summer. This is the winter in Australia. Like this is crazy. Um, yeah. So is that like that all year round? So you don't even really get a winter there. Uh,
1: like the winter over year is basically Canadian summer. So winter over oh, okay. years, like 15 to 25 degrees Celsius around.
0: So that's the time to go people. <laughs> Would you say that if you're going to visit to go during the winter?
1: <laughs> 100%, 100% hands down. It, 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 cause like, like I've had, like, for example, I had a friend, uh, from Canada, actually that, that came to, uh, Dubai and he came in August, which is Ooh. pretty damn hot. And like I, because he had 24 hours and he was using he was a connecting flight from du, uh, Vienna, Dubai, Beijing and 24 hours in Dubai. He's like, hey, I'm coming for 24 hours. Show me everything. Show me whatever you can fit in these 24 hours. Yeah. So I'm like, if that's the case, then we're going to have to work during the afternoon as well and during the morning as well. We're going to have to go out for that. And we went out. And, like, this guy was losing it because it was so damn hot.
0: Just, like, step outside and you're, like, instantly look like you've been in the shower. Just, like,
1: whoosh. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's, like, you, like, half a day goes if you're coming to Dubai in the summer because it's a lot more harder to do stuff. So of course there's a lot of stuff to do indoors but i would definitely recommend the winter because you're enjoying the beaches a lot better um the deserts a lot better as well during the winters and yeah i mean you don't want to suffer too much with the sun
0: wow so in that 24 hour period what did you do what's what well what's the best things if you only have 24 hours what would you say maybe the the top two sure
1: sure uh i think the one thing of course the burj khalifa yeah like it's kind of a cliche answer but the views are pretty sick at the top mm-hmm. to it's definitely the Burj Khalifa um, and oh my god top two that is hard there's a lot to see over here <laughs> I think beaches like the beaches are incredible over here if if, if you are a if you are a beach fan and um, you're into surfing or you sort of water sports they're incredible there's like a huge stretch of uh, beaches. Each beach has, like, different things going on, which is, like, pretty insane.
0: What, well, like, different events?
1: Different events. Uh, some of them, for example, have, like, a line of restaurants that are beautiful because you get to, like, eat by the beach. Mm. Some of them have, like, outdoor gyms, uh, outdoor cinemas. There's, like, one area as well that has, like a, like, a theme park. Another one has a water park as well. And uh, the views are pretty spectacular. I'm not going to lie. So when I took him there, he really liked it. Oh. Wow. And uh, there's like the, the old Dubai as well. That's another really great place as well. You we get to If you're into like sort of the, the heritage and sort of seeing the culture as a whole, like there's like a whole area that's dedicated to sort of the old Dubai. Uh, you get to try the local food, uh, get to meet a couple of local people as well.
0: Oh, amazing. What's your favorite food? What So you mentioned um, you can go to the old Dubai and, and get the kind of local food. What would you recommend trying?
1: I think it's pretty standard but like the the manakish it's pretty it's pretty good mm-hmm. it's it's you get it in canada as well
0: and what is that for people that aren't familiar with it
1: sure it's like a it's like a I don't know how to describe it it's like a bread um like a bread that's sort of like um baked in the oven but i'm, I'm not the best cook so don't mind me if anyone knows what manakish is <laughs> it's basically um like it's sort of like a powder it's kind of like a dark powder it's called sauter powder you basically sprinkle it over the bread and then it's heated up and it's like super crispy and it's folded up, and you basically kind of have it like a sandwich.
0: Mm, that's a good description. I can I can envision it. I can envision it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really want to ask some cliche, potentially inappropriate, awkward, naive questions. Because I know that there are a lot of misunderstandings about Dubai and things that could put people off traveling there. So I'd love to do a little myth-busting with you, if that sounds good.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: Okay, so belief number one, I would say, is that everyone is just super rich, and that it's really expensive there, and you have to spend a fortune if you want to go and visit.
1: Sure. So, <laughs> I actually have a couple of funny stories about this. Um, well, I've when I was in Canada, like I did university in Canada, so you're at university, a lot of social events, you're, you're at parties and all that kind of good stuff. And I've been at parties uh, with people, and when I say it from Dubai. They're like, oh, so like
0: the rounds on you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is is it like your toilet seat is made out of gold, or are you like, uh, is like your your table made out of gold, or uh, what car do you drive? Like, do you drive a new car every single day of the week? Like, how? Like, do you have a pet tiger? Like all all that kind of uh, stuff. Um, that is not the case. No. Sadly. Okay. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. Actually.
0: Mm, damn. I,
1: I think. Yes, there, there is that side of Dubai. But if you're just a resident over here, you live a pretty middle-class life, a pretty normal life. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's probably like anywhere, isn't it? Where you have that big gap between the people that are millionaires and billionaires and they have these huge companies, the same in America. And then you have the people that just, just have a modest life. So um, yeah, that's it's always funny, those stereotypes for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, someone once called me because um, like Dubai, Middle East, there's like this idea of like a lot of oil being here. All the Dubai's doesn't re- just kind of ran out of oil and doesn't do anything with oil anymore. Someone started calling me the oil prince over there, and it and it caught on. Like it, it caught on, and for some reason, like. I mean, I kind of went with it then.
0: Oh my God. And then people start believing it and they're like whispering behind your back, like that guy's the oil prince. Like he's so rich. Like he's got a pet tiger. That's so funny. I mean,
1: you might as well use it to your advantage. You know, people are, you're at a a party. People are drunk. You might as well just say, yeah, sure. Do you want to see a picture of my pet tiger? You just pull up Google and you set up a random tiger and you just show it to them, you know? (laughs) That's
0: so good. I'm going to put that in the uh, the show description. Like my interview with the oil prince. Lucky me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Belief number two. Um, there is no alcohol there. Really strict rules around drinking.
1: Uh, the the drinking age is twenty one. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I can say this on camera, but if you're below twenty one, it's it's not too bad. Oh, okay. That's all I'm gonna say yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. If if you need more details about it, if you ever come to Dubai, just just shoot me a message and we'll figure it out.
0: The there's certain places that are licensed for alcohol, and then other places. So you have to go to a place that's like licensed to to serve alcohol which is mostly like hotels and restaurants and things like that right
1: exactly exactly so so like restaurants normally like just general restaurants aren't like allowed to serve but like bars clubs they're normally allowed to serve and they're mostly in hotels uh dubai is part of the uae which is the broader like Dubai's a city and uae is the country but within the uae there's seven different cities or seven different kind of like you kind of call them like provinces or they're called emirates And each emirate has their own sort of rule uh, regarding uh, alcohol. So it kind of depends on which emirate you're in. Dubai is a little more, um, I guess, has more clubs and bars and more options when it comes to alcohol. Uh, but no it's it's just like if, if you if you are someone that drinks it is not at all an issue especially in Dubai okay. I don't know about the neighboring countries I don't know too much but it's not at all an issue
0: <laughs> so I won't get the shakes if I go there and I can't find booze so that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> okay belief number three um religion is really strict there so the official and majority religion is Islam and the words you know sharia law can provoke some concerns in people as yeah I think that there's there really isn't much education around it other than the fear agenda that's pumped out in the media. So yeah. for example, the there's a myth that the all women have to wear burqas and headscarves in public. Um let's chat about that.
1: Definitely so no that's not the case over here. Uh Dubai is hands down one of the most tolerant cities, I think, in the world. Not even the Middle East, I think in the world. I am I, I'm of I'm of Hindu background. Mm-hmm. So my my family comes from India, we're of Hindu background and never in my life felt that I've not been able to practice my faith in any aspect possible considering i'm in a in a majority muslim country mm. tolerance is, is incredible uh the local community as well is incredible on that and uh, there's like places of worship for every different religion so i think that it's hands down one of the most tolerant cities in the world and there's there's nothing there's nothing about that like as you said about women having to wear that it's it's your own option it's it's your it's your life of course you got to dress decently
0: um yeah, I mean if you're like visiting a temple, I would say it's more a respect thing, isn't it? It's the same as exactly. if you were going to a temple in Thailand, you would you'd have to cover your legs in Thailand if you were going to a temple. So, it's just more more respect thing for for certain places and and respecting the religions. But yes. yeah, that's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought that that there's Hindu temples and Catholic churches. You know, it's not just um you know, a Muslim country that's, that's enforcing that in, in a strict way. So yeah, that's great. That's good to know. Yeah, I really, really want to visit. It's so beautiful. It looks incredible. I'm definitely going to go during the winter <laughs> now that I've <laughs> chatted to you. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, thanks. Great insight. This episode is brought to you by my free 50 tips from expats in Canada. I had so much fun asking hundreds of newcomers what they wish they knew before they moved to Canada. The resulting guide is packed with valuable tips and fun facts so you can hit the ground running and not make the same mistakes as us. So head to bit.ly forward slash Canada to download it free today. That's bit.ly forward slash free tips Canada. Now, back to the show. Okay, so let's jump into your move to Canada then. So you mentioned you, so you've so you grown up in Dubai until you were 17, 18. When did you start considering leaving Dubai and moving to another country?
1: Sure. So uh, Dubai is an incredible place. Uh, education is great over here, um, but I sort of wanted to change when it came to my undergrad education. Mm-hmm. Been here my entire life, and the education here when it comes to the undergrads, like it, it's good, but I think that the West is better with that. So I have three options: either the UK, the US, or Canada. Um, the US is pretty expensive. The UK was between UK and Canada. Thought Canada be a better opportunity with with sort of you know their push for immigration and all that kind of stuff. So decided to go to Canada and um, wanted to study something around the business business spectrum as a whole. Decided to apply to the Ivy Business School, which is one of the best business schools in Canada. One of, and it's pretty good around the world as well. Um, mm-hmm. And got in, luckily, that was great. So decided to go to Western University at the Business School Ivy, uh, which is in London, Ontario, about a two-hour drive from Toronto. Um, so that was, mo- I guess, one of the main reasons. Just wanted a bit of a change and also a better chance at higher education. Uh, which are, I think, two main reasons. And the third thing was also that I also, I also felt like Canada was long term, out of the three countries that I was talking about, was right. the best place to sort of settle down, I guess, for the future as well.
0: Wow. So you had a real long term plan in mind then. You weren't thinking, oh, I'm just going to go and get my education. You thought, no, like I'm going to set up a new life somewhere. So yeah. thinking long term at that age, that's really impressive.
1: <laughs> I like to think so, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: Um, so, how did you find the experience when you first arrived here? So, you obviously landed in Toronto and then made your way up to London. So, um, I understand you made a call to your mum on your third day of university. Tell us sure, about
1: that. Sure, sure, sure. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, a little backstory. I still remember the dates. So, 26th of August, 2017, me and my dad arrived at Toronto Pearson Airport. First time. First time in North America. First time in North America wow. as an 18-year-old, uh, it was it was pretty it's pretty interesting experience for sure. Was in Toronto for about a couple of days just sort of seeing the city, uh, and setting up some of the basic stuff. And then went to London. Dad dropped me off, he went back and um, I remember I saw, I'm I'm pretty extroverted like I love talking to people and I could I could just have conversations for like, keep going on and on. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I like I walked to the university and for the first couple of days Kind of felt lost because I guess when you're in high school, you have a certain like amount of friends. You have a certain amount of people that are within that high school ecosystem. So it's like socially, you know where you're at, or like you're kind of comfortable where you're at. It's kind of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And at university, you're kind of pulled in all directions because it's like forty five thousand people, and you're supposed to meet as many people as possible. Well don't know if that's going to work out. I've met people on the first or second day that I've never met again. And it's, it's been like four years now, you know, because there's so many people to meet.
0: I feel like that's across the board with anybody. I mean, I went to university in England, so I was born in England and I went to university in England. And even that was like, crazy intense because it's like you're wiping the slate clean on like who you are as a person and you're starting from scratch because yeah I I moved to about two and a half hours away which is really really far for England have you seen the size of the country so (laughs) um but yeah it's so true like you look around and you're thinking I could literally be anybody right now I could just repaint myself to be whoever I want to be but so which is great but then it's like so so much pressure wow and then to do it abroad and in, in northern america for the first time that's crazy so what happened next
1: yeah i'll have to equate it to like you think like i got went to university thinking i'm the sh- and then i realized really soon i'm not the sh- you know
0: like, <laughs> yeah i'm not as cool as i thought damn <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh but yeah no i remember um on the third day, I called up my mom and it was, it was it was pretty late at night where I was. Dubai was early morning because they're eight hours ahead. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, there's just there's, like there's just so much going on and I just feel overwhelmed and like so many people to meet. And like, if I'm going to be able to make, like maybe able to meet the right people. Um, I'm meeting someone, I'm developing a connection and then I just don't end up seeing them because I'm meeting someone else. And like, this is just like a mess. Uh, so how do you sort of like do all this? And I remember she told me this one thing. She's like, um, look, over the next four years, you have one option. You can either cry about how much you miss your... Not cry, but she said you can either whine about how much you uh, miss your family, about how much you miss home, about uh, how you don't like your life in Canada or you know, you're far away from family, all that kind of stuff. That's one option. Your second option is that you can count your blessings. You can figure out a way to uh, make your own family over there, your family or friends, and um, Yeah Just like She's, she's like take, just, just take complete responsibility Of your experience Don't blame right. it on anyone else Like yes, the, yes there'll be factors That you cannot control But do not blame your experience On anyone else Except yourself And yeah. th- that was like Wow It's kind of freeing I guess
0: Great mom She's like The Dalai Lama of mothers <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. She definitely She has a good or bad moments But she definitely has more <laughs> good Than bad moments That's for sure and, uh, that, that was incredible. Like that was hands down the best um, advice, like just sort of the, taking that responsibility to myself that this is my experience. I can make it or break it. No one else mm-hmm. it was incredible. And then I went on this journey of like, basically I would do this thing where I would try to meet one new person every single day at my university. And that would be through like, like through different, different ways. So for example, we, in, in our residence, we had a, um, cafe, like a cafe down where you would go and eat. And I would just go and like, sit with like random people every single day. And that's how I kind of met some of my best friends, I guess, up to this day.
0: Yeah. Well, being the oil prince would have been really useful. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> No, that's so good. And, and it's about like embracing your choice. You know, it's your choice to, to go there and to be there. And it's like, well, you know, don't waste that opportunity and waste that choice. You were so brave up until this point. So just kind of keep going at it. So yeah, that's amazing advice. So did you did you struggle at all with homesickness then? So you know, Dubai is what, a 13 hour flight? So
1: Four,
0: 14, around 14. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I struggle enough thinking oh my god my family are like seven hour eight hour flight so i can only imagine being so far from family would be tough so um how was that
1: uh tough for sure in the starting but
0: mm-hmm.
1: i would literally i would equate it to this and i love my family to death don't uh, i'll trying to say that but like i would say that the first three days were kind of hard then after that, it was all uphill. Yeah. Like, of course, there were specific moments. Like, there were big holidays when you miss your family, for example.
0: Right. Have you been able to get back often, or I guess it's such a huge yeah. haul, but at least you can go back and visit them. And
1: yeah, and I normally get back like once or twice a year, so it isn't too bad as well. Mm-hmm. If I'm able to get back once or twice a year, I'm more than grateful for that. So honestly, I I no, like I don't miss them that much. <laughs> like it's. I'm not trying to like, you know. Like... Yeah,
0: no, that's great though. That's such an amazing thing to to accept and to just say so honestly, because um, yeah, like you move here and it, it's almost like an expectation that you're going to miss your loved ones and things like that. But the fact that that isn't a major struggle is such a mark of of what a success you've made your life to be. So that's amazing. So you obviously love Canada and you're happier here, potentially happier, would you say, than, than you were back in Dubai?
1: Um, definitely happier, for sure. Like again, like I would say, I, I I guess the word miss, I would miss, I do miss my family, but homesickness for a home, I don't think that's something that it's on right. that far.
0: It's not negatively affecting your your life and your journey in like a day to day basis. So yeah, you've exactly. you've overcome that. So yeah, that's amazing. It took me a long time to to get over that, and I feel like now I'm the same. I can say, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really affect me anymore, and I I'm happy where I am, and I'm happy with my my decision and my life, and so yeah amazing wins all around so yeah I feel like being an international student definitely helps the process as well because the whole making friends thing is so much easier so like you just said you could sit in a cafe and meet a new person every day like that is amazing so yeah I feel like coming here without that element to it is is a lot harder so yeah that must have been really useful
1: 100% like if I came here when I was 23, 24, maybe like when I was coming straight, straight into workforce, it'd definitely be a little bit harder. I can see that happening. I, I'm, I haven't done that, so I can't really speak to it. But I also like to say that, like, yes, it's going to be harder, but you don't have a choice, you just got to figure it out in the end, you know?
0: Yeah, amazing. So what would you say has been your biggest win since moving to Canada? What's the best thing that that's that's happened to you, in your opinion?
1: Best thing that's happened? Oh boy. There's, there's a decent amount of good things and bad things.
0: Let's have one of each. What's the worst thing and the, the best thing? <laughs>
1: worst thing uh this is a little personal i guess um i'll start with worse and then we'll, we'll go to something maybe better worst thing that happened i guess uh would be that in second year in middle of second year um uh, my dad basically had a life-threatening heart attack when i was over in canada mm. and uh he was in dubai and um like he's he's, he's good now he's all great okay uh, he survived that Um, but of course at that point, the doctors had kind of not given him the best chance to make it through. And I guess when you're, when you're 14 hours away,
0: Oh my God, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's not like something you can just drop everything and just go, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of my friends, like they lived, they live two to three hour drives away. So second they get a call, they can leave. Right. Uh, For me, it wasn't exactly uh, like that. And I remember speaking about it, uh, my parents, Uh, there were certain financial issues, which meant that I couldn't even go back during that specific time. Uh, we made a decision that uh, if if my dad gets any worse then I'll come back if he gets better and better and better I'll just stay I'll stay back in Canada luckily he got better and better and better so just stayed right. back I think I think that was uh, definitely one of the more um, challenging things but I'd also like to flip it into a good thing because that experience got me so much more closer to my dad like than I was before that mm. Uh And although I didn't meet him after that for a while, we just got closer through like you know through calling texting and then when I finally came back in the end uh, we actually spoke
0: oh my god it would make it so much more special too when you finally did meet back up with him in person just thinking you would never have even there would have been a time where you thought that would never have happened so yeah Yeah, incredible
1: Yeah, yeah. 100% and I think I guess I guess I just said the good thing because there's a lot of good things but I guess one good thing related to this would be that I felt like I actually got closer to my family once I left
0: (laughs) that's amazing
1: don't know how but I feel like
0: that too that's really weird maybe it's maybe it's to do with like Growing up a little bit as well, because you kind of uh, such a little shit when you're a teenager, and you like don't respect your parents. <laughs> and then now I feel like we've moved away, and we appreciate more what they did and what they do for us. And yeah, that's yeah. so funny. I feel the same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, let's jump into your expertise. So I've been listening to your podcast and watching your videos. And yeah, you are such an awesome um, source for all things productivity and mindset shifts. So yeah, I've always been fascinated with psychology and, and how we can shift our way of thinking to adjust better to different situations and like what we were saying that we have the power to actually choose how we feel and react to changes in our lives um so that can make a huge difference to to the moving abroad process so let's start with mindset um i am all too familiar with the energy lulls that come with adjusting to a big move um, you hear the phrase "emotional roller coaster" a lot when you're talking to people that move abroad. Um, so yeah, it can be a really tiring thing having this yo-yo of up ups and downs as you settle into a new life. So how do you deal with those low points? What what advice do you have for us?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, for me, one thing that I guess has helped me out, and I'm, I'm not perfect at this. I, I just basically speak from personal experience. Can't, I treat myself as a guinea pig. Try it on myself. If it works. I'll, I'll throw it out there for someone else, then why not, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So I think one thing that's really worked for me is having two to three uh, de-stressors or having two to three things that I can I can jump towards when I'm going through that lull moment or I'm in a rut or I'm in some sort of this. So, for example, one, one, of, the, one of those things for me uh, that I've sort of built recently is going on runs. When I'm kind of my productivity is low or I'm not able to focus or kind of feel like my energy's off and some aspect could be mental, it could be physical, it could be any one of them. I just throw myself into some sort of action and one of them is... Running, something that I do, and it could be like a super quick five k run. Oh,
0: super! You make me sick. Oh, I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like run around the block or something like oh, just a quick five k run. Like that would take me like two hours.
1: <laughs> no, 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 like I, like I have friends that are doing like 40 50 hundred k. So like I'm oh, a, okay. I'm an amateur. I'm an amateur. So this makes me feel a little bit better. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I think that exercise is so underrated, and it's definitely something that can bring a lot of dread, and and you think it's just such. Such a task to get through, but actually, when I, I've really made progress in it, that when I actually do make myself do it, you do feel so much better afterwards. It sounds so cliche, but it almost just like shocks your brain into like getting out of my own head. Like I've been like overthinking and stressing and maybe feeling a bit down, and it just kind of like shakes you and and kind of resets you almost. It yeah, it ugh, it just makes such a difference. Yeah, I totally 100%. agree.
1: And I think what well, uh, I definitely agree with you on that, 100 uh, hands down. And I think want me one more super quick one. Uh, I think building consistent habits that makes it, that sort of um, aligns it in the thing. I think people speak a lot about habits and all that. It's kind of become like a cliche word now. Build habits. Start a morning routine. Meditate. Journal. Mindfulness. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're great. I, I mean, I meditate, journal, and they're and they're all amazing things. But I think that um, building some sort of consistent habits have a massive impact. And one of the best things to start with habits is to actually stack them over time. So for meditation, I started super simple, five minutes a day, that's it. That's super low commitment, five minutes a day, then increase it to seven minutes, then to 10 minutes, and all that kind of stuff. What
0: would you say to people that have never meditated before? Um, How do you you even start? Do you just sit down and put some calming music on and and just be silent is that is that really the crux of it
1: so so what i do is something that and and again like i was in the exact same spot about four to five months ago as someone that's like my mind's always running so it's kind of hard to like sit down for five minutes yes Uh, but that's why at times it's a little hard to just sit down and just Nothing and just you know like just sit down and be quiet and breathe whale
0: noises yeah whale <laughs>
1: noises it's, it's a little hard you know like you, your mind is like your mind needs some sort of like stimulation I guess so one thing that I did is like uh, and this is practiced throughout different different cultures across the world it's called mantra meditation where you basically take some sort of like mantra or some sort of saying and you basically chant it to yourself in your mind um, or you play it on some sort of like you play it to yourself, basically, mm. on your headphones or something.
0: Wow, that's a really cool idea. I've never thought of that before. That's great.
1: It, it's just it's just that it helps out with people that are beginners, especially, and not even beginners. Like when you continue as a whole, because like your mind is focused on one thing. Like you sort of zeroing zeroing in your mind or focusing on that specific thing. So it helps a lot more. I think people fail when they just. Decide they're going to just like breathe and sit quietly and just chant om for like. Oh
0: my God, yeah, I could minutes. never. I'm like, what am I having for dinner later? And oh, I haven't, <laughs> you know, done this. And oh, we run out of milk. Like my whole yeah. brain just will not shut up. So yeah, that's a exactly. really, really good tip. I'm going to try that out. <laughs> exactly. yeah. What journaling prompts can you recommend?
1: Sure. So um, journaling, it's like I just like spitball stuff about the day, basically. So right. I, it's more like me observing and seeing like where. Not, not seeing my failures, but sort of seeing like, okay, like what are some of the emotions that uh, I went through? I try to look at it as like a third-person perspective. So no judgment. This is just Zvezha's life. Just look at it from a 3rd person's perspective. No judgment again. Like observing uh, rather than actually judging. Kind of just observe the day's uh, proceeds. Um, like, hey, I wasn't, I didn't really get that much work done from four to eight. Like what was I doing during that time? Uh, maybe I was just off completely, um, like, what was that? What was the thoughts that were going in my head, which is why I wasn't able to sort of sit down and focus at a specific moment? So it's more about just observing, as all.
0: Yeah, I found that that whole reflection time has been so useful. I had this book. That you write something down for every day, and then it has like five years on each page, so you can see what you were doing that day five years ago. It's really cool. I did a post on Instagram that actually got so much, uh, so much interaction with because it was I'd, I'd written down on that day a year ago. I'm so upset. I hate my life here. You know, so dramatic in your journaling. (laughs) I'm like, I hate my life. How long are you supposed to wait until you're just supposed to go back? This is not normal. All these things. And then that day, a year later, I was like, I've started a new business and I'm getting married and I'm so happy. I feel so content here. And it's just, it's so useful to look back and like actually appreciate how far you've come. So it can be like a bit of of a task sometimes. To to make yourself do it, like I've missed days in my journal, and then I beat myself up about about that. But, um, yeah, so useful. Like journaling is is really great to like tap into the journey of it all. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, going back to your point about checking in on times, for example, yesterday you didn't do anything between four and eight. Uh, you also talk a lot about productivity and what to do to actually make the most of the time and that you have and be more efficient with your day so um, do you want to chat a little bit about batching and the 80 20 rule that you that you have a expertise on let's hear all of that
1: sure sure definitely so uh, both of these rules I gotta give credit to Tim Ferriss from the four hour work week I actually have the book right there I mean it's audio so you can't really see the book uh, for, <laughs> for anyone listening but yeah um, it's that, that book's been a lifesaver, honestly. Uh, batching, something super simple for anyone listening. Batching is basically putting similar tasks together to sort of knock them off at once. Perfect example, laundry. Just imagine the ta- amount of time you'd waste if you took like one piece of clothing, did laundry for that. Uh-huh. And then the next piece of clothing, you did laundry for that as well. So you did your laundry, like let's say every day. Like how much time would you actually waste within the day, within the week mm-hmm. as a well? whole? But you normally don't do that. You do your laundry once every week. At least i like to hope so for most people. Some people don't.
0: <laughs> no judgment, people. No judgment.
1: I live in a at university, so I've seen a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's it's more like you're sort of batching together or putting together similar tasks. And you're doing them maybe once a week instead of doing that every single day. So that's something that I've used. Uh, that's a little bit of an example on batching. Mm-hmm. The 80-20 rule, uh, basically the main idea is that uh, 20% of your actions lead to 80% of your results. An example, 20% of the actions that you do in your business will lead to 80% of your results. Results could be revenue or whatever. And a really, really, really cool example of this that I saw personally is like in my clothing. I realized that this applied literally to my clothing as well. I was using 20% of my clothes, 80 to even 90% of the time.
0: Right. Oh, me too. I'm guilty of that for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty interesting. So cut out a bunch of my clothing um, and uh, yeah. You could say, uh, going, trying to go a little bit more minimalist as a whole.
0: Nice. So the batching then would be you get into that mindset that's going to get the most work done, but the, the, in the best quality. Yeah. Um, and then you're kind of like, you're capitalizing on that. Like I'm in the best mindset. So try and get as much done while you're feeling that energy and you're feeling up to it. And then the 80-20 rule would be that you can focus in on what's working best for you and then that will give you the more results because you're dedicating more time to the things that you're good at and the things that you're more productive at and then you're going to see way more results is that right
1: uh yeah 100% okay yeah like you nailed it like 20% action 80% results the main issue is identifying the 20% that, of the actions right. that actually have that impact.
0: Yeah, it's way easy for me to just summarize it like that. Now you've said that, I'm like, yeah, but how? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a little easier with certain things. Like, for example, with clothing, you just kind of figure out which one, which ones you use and which ones you don't. Uh, with your business, it's more like sort of doing an audit of every single thing that you do, seeing what are the most high-value tasks and then seeing stuff that you can potentially maybe... I guess, outsource or save time on by using techniques like batching or something.
0: Mm. Yeah. And then I feel like, and and in the example of living abroad and, and trying to build a new life abroad. So the 80-20 rule could be if you really need to meet new people and, and make new friends, It's it's looking into what, Works best for you. If you're a really extroverted person, you can go to these like live networking events. But you know, if you're more introverted, but you want to meet new people, then maybe you can, you know, go to a class or you can, you know, do more social media engagement. So yeah, I think it's it's just trying to look at your strengths.
1: Yeah, and and the the best part is that like the, the world's open to your strengths. Like I recently came across an app. It's an app that basically allows you to like coffee chat, random, like it matches random people to like talk to each other and network within the GTA in Toronto. Um, They have it in the major cities in Canada, but it's like matches random people according to your interests as a whole, just to talk and like network and all that kind of stuff. And it uses like AI to like figure out like who's the best person to match to you, which is really cool.
0: The Tinder of friendships.
1: Basically basically
0: (laughs) okay yeah we'll definitely link that fantastic well thank you so so much this has been amazing i've learned so much about dubai and then yeah i'm feeling like really pumped to be more productive and keep my mindset in check i'm definitely going to try meditating now with that tip to to use the chant over and over i think that's my biggest takeaway but yeah just thank you so so much for your time today and um yeah it's been great
1: thanks a lot kate i really appreciate it and uh yeah i mean Hopefully, someone gets some value out of this. That's the main thing. That's what we're trying to do out right here.
0: So, if anyone wants to find you, if they want to follow the podcast or see what you're up to, how can they find you?
1: Sure, sure. So, we're for the podcast, we're on all the main listening platforms Progressaholic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, if you want to connect with me personally, uh, LinkedIn's the best place. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So, Devesh, D-E-V-S-H, T-I-L-O-K-N-I. T-I-L-O-K-A-N-I. I'm sure we'll, we'll link those in the description below. Shoot a message on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and happy to be of a service in any way.
0: Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week.